Hey, Rich, how you doing? I'm doing well. Let me ask you a question. Go. How would you describe my relationship with my father? Hmm. Um, not terrible. Arm's length. Some distance, yeah. Some distance there. Um, I think you talk regularly. It, it's clearly not a top of mind presence in your like. Not a lot of stories come gushing out of you about your dad. Fair. Um, but I feel like it's something that you know. I feel like it's something that stabilized to a pl- like a to a cordial place, but not warm. Uh, which always made me a little bit sad. I don't know if I'm talking out of turn. No. I think about your kids and about gra- grandpa. My my kids have no gra- two grandmas, no grandpas. So it's 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 a sweet thing, grandparents. Um, so I don't know if I'm. There's not a lot to go on. I guess is the most overarching thing to say. No, it's been. I don't know if it's you being guarded or if there's just not much there. No, you know, it's. I'm. I was genuinely curious, which is why I asked. And we're, of course, we're doing it in this podcast. Full disclosure, you know this. The listeners yeah. don't. My my father passed yesterday, and my I'm, condolences. Thank you to you and family. I'm grieving. He was ninety. I got to see him several times. Yeah. he was in a good, safe place. Like, yeah. I'm gonna just. I'll, I'll skip that part of the narrative because you know people people know what a reasonable death for an older person looks like, and he had one. Yeah. So. I thought, you know, I was like, we do this podcast yeah. and I was like, I'm, I'm sitting at home and I'm just literally grieving like every half hour. I'm like, oh my God. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I got to come over. I got to see my friend Rich. Mm. Let's sit down. Let's, let's dip uh, back into life for let, a minute. Let's just, it was good to like get on the train for a minute. Yeah. I'm going, you know, the memorial services this weekend. Let's just talk about it. Okay. And um, I, I thought we could talk a little bit about what we learned from our dads. So I'm going to, let me, let me give some context to what you said. I did have a very good and loving relationship with my father overall. Mm-hmm. Um, some complicated ups and downs like with anything, but my dad, and the thing is, is I have a lot of empathy for this because I have the same fundamental wiring was a person who keeps a certain distance. Yeah. And he was proud of me. He was supportive of me. He gave me money sometimes when I needed it, but ultimately kept a certain distance. And he had a real hard time later in life because he loved his independence. And as he got much, much older, you know, he's getting in the, into his late 80s, yeah. he couldn't keep his independence. He just wasn't healthy enough. Got it. So, uh, but we were able to put him in assisted living, care for him. Um, yeah. And he, we got him up from Florida after COVID, which was a miracle. Yeah. And got him into a good assisted living facility near Baltimore. My brother saw him all the time. I saw him last weekend. He was in good spirits, took a rapid turn. So, you know, at some place, I know where I'm going to land with this. And I'm going to land with the typical melancholy feelings you have about a complicated relationship with your father. Mm-hmm. The sense that I did what I could do. And that he was safe and he lived his life on his terms. Yeah. And that feels good. Um, you lost your dad a while ago. When did you lose your dad? In 2005. Oh, it's been a good good long time. Long time. Um, talk about that. Obviously, he passes. It takes a while. When you think about him, what's it like now? Uh, you know... My dad did something unusual. Uh, my dad never thought he was a good dad. Mm-hmm. And so when I was about 13, he like fired himself. 
How the hell do you like, fire yourself? As I am fired as your dad because I'm not good at this, but I've been hired as your friend if you want a friend. Interesting. Which was a very strange thing to hear at 13, 14. I got to say, my dynamic, my dad left when uh, he left the family when I was 13. And when he came back, he was a different person in a lot of ways. And we, yeah. when we spent time, it was more as kind of a peer, yeah. less as a father sometimes. Yeah. So I get this. I get this dynamic. Um, okay. So, so now your dad is your friend, but this, it's explicit. Your father put this down. It's, it, yeah. He, he kind of put it down. And but that's an unusual thing to do. Well, he was like, what, you know what it was? Uh, uh, just to go back in history, because it's actually a little fascinating. My dad, like, pretty much lived on his own when he was 11. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, he, I mean, that's the age my kids are now, and that's absolute madness. It's madness. But yeah. the time he was 15, so he, he dropped out of school when okay. he was 12 years old. Okay. He had no money to take the bus to school. And this is a whip smart guy. One of the smartest people could, I've ever Could have known. gone and gotten and I'm not being sentimental or biased. No, as you've described like, him and the things that he did in his life, he was obviously very smart. It wasn't always pointed in the right direction, but boy. That's right. Uh, By the time he was 15, he was helping other family members and he had his own apartment at 15. Like, that's what you had. There. I mean, the, the helping other family members is extremely Lebanese. The apartment is unusual. <laughs> right. So I guess... And now I'm thinking back on it. When he's talking to me at 13, he's like, I can't tell you you're grounded. My dad's notion of like you're grounded at 13 was alien to him because as far as he was concerned, at 13, I had like, I should be voting and driving and I was a full-blown adult. Right, right, right. So it was surreal a little bit. Also, he didn't like, he was incredibly self-aware and didn't like who the, the job he was doing as a dad. He stayed a dad with my other siblings because of the dynamics there, but I think he saw himself in me in a lot of ways. And so I'm going to say a common thread out loud here for a lot of dads. They don't want the job. Yeah. They didn't want the job. They kind of power through it till you're like seven or Boy, nine or that 11. Is, that's real. And they don't want the job. And I they're like, shoot, I can't quit this job. It's like I'm trapped <laughs> in LinkedIn. Like I can't update. It just says... From 1981 dash present, <laughs> and it won't end. <laughs> and so sometimes some of what happens is it gets toxic, which is bad. Sure. Sometimes they get divorced, which is formal. And I'll see you on the week. I can I can power through the job on the weekends. Yeah, it's great. As or every as, other weekend, as long as Wednesday night is mine, right? Like it's yeah. And then sometimes they just cut and run. Yeah. And the ones that cut and run. It is. It can really scramble a kid. It can really scramble a kid. So my dad effectively quit the job, but he's like, but I'm going to stay here. Not a bad compromise in a lot of ways. Not a bad compromise Because, I mean, here's the thing. What, what, the, what the world would say is your dad should have gotten it together for his son and for his family. But he couldn't. He and, couldn't. And, and, and I think as you get older, I think this is something where if maybe in your 20s, I know when I was in my 20s, I was a lot more like... Why couldn't you be this? Yeah. But as you get older, you realize like, actually on the terms that were in front of you, you did pretty good. You know. And that's how we're going to get judged too. I'm, a, I'm, I'm cool with that. And, and you know, I have to give him credit. My, you know, my dad had a dad that bailed on him. Right. And he had every right to kind of harbor like real resentment and just, he's like, well, it's your turn, you little shit. It's just your turn now. Instead, he was self-aware enough to say, okay, I'm not cut for this, but I'm going to be your sounding board if you want it. 
at some level, you, it sounds like you had a healthier relationship after he made I, it. I, I think I did. I, I, I wouldn't call it a father-son relationship. I think, you know, my dad... What's the difference between a father-son relationship and the relationship you have? You seek guidance in a father-son relationship. You really seek, you seek approval. You seek just a nod that you're going in the right direction. You can get approval. You can get approval. This is real. I love my father. He loved me. We had a good relationship. That wasn't on the table. Okay. That's that's too bad. That and that's really I'm sorry for that. Like yeah. that's too bad that you didn't at least have that. My dad was judgmental. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes he would say, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But what was weird was when I was nineteen, sometimes I would turn to him and say, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, we didn't right? have that. We See, didn't have that. And and I think he gave me that because I think he it's not because it, it didn't come out of affection or love. It came out of just seeing that I was very much him in a lot of ways and shifting the dynamic. He was I, I have to give him credit for that self awareness. No, that's fun. I, I now see it's complicated, right? Because I actually did have lots of affection and love. It's just that connection. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't on the table with this person. Yeah. And it's strange to talk about him two days later, but this is life. This is life and, and certain people are only you know, you, you want to judge it as failure. You it wasn't. Want, uh, you want to judge it as like you weren't there for me, right? And 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 the truth is, some people just don't have the tools. They don't have the tools. He had. I asked my dad about my granddad. I was like, I never met him. He died before I was born. And he goes, What do you want to know? He was a cheap piece of shit. <laughs> That's literally what he said to me. I was like, Do you have pictures? Do you have a story? Like going to the park? He's like, No, I got nothing. No. He was a jerk. Yeah, no. And so my dad was honest about it and didn't try to romanticize it. I think credit to him, he didn't romanticize himself either, right? He was Fair. just like, I am busted up. And so he demystified everything for me. He put it, he was like, here's the liquor cabinet. I don't want to hear about you drinking beer in a parking lot. You want to drink beer? You want to drink, first off, beer is shit. <laughs> drink, drink something proper, okay. right? And he was like, it's right there and drink it in the house and don't, don't go sitting in, outside of 7-Eleven. And so my friends would be like, we're going out to drink beer. We're going to go do this and that. And I was like, I don't know what you're what talking you, about. What are you, children? Smoking? He was like, do you, he smoked yeah. pretty much his whole life. He's like, it is just, it's just shit. It's terrible. It's really bad. Like, you smell it all day. You want to smoke? Here's smoke. I don't care. I never wanted to smoke. So he demystified so much for me, not because, and so it speaks to control and how you try to assert that control to shape the person. Look, that could have gone differently. I think he read me as a personality and said, okay, this guy's not really going to be under wraps. <laughs> like, I'm not going to control this. Yeah. And so here are your choices. And I'll tell you what's bad and what's good. And you make your own call, man. I, I, I thank him for that. There, Look, I'm painting a very rosy picture here. My dad had many, many... It was a very hard upbringing, very unstable No, but this is, this is what you learned from him. This is what you learn from him. Exactly, exactly. And See, so I, and when tell me I have a question okay. for you. You're a teenager. You're in your early 20s. You moved to New York City when New York City wasn't all buttoned up. Like it was still kind of a messy place. Correct. Did you ever feel like, did you ever pick up the phone and say, I wonder what my dad thinks about this situation? Not like that. Okay. We, were, we were always in touch, always emailing, you know, always. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of warmth there. There's a lot of love. See, what's interesting here though, right, is like, okay, the, the relationship that I have with my kids or that I see my brother have with his kids, my dad's generation often just didn't have that relationship. 
But there was a gift here. And the gift was, uh, so after college, I lived with him for like a month because I needed a place to go. He was in Philadelphia. Okay. And boy, he, he was kind of done with me and his space. To be uh, fair, it was a giant one-room apartment in an artist cooperative. So like not the greatest thing to have me in a corner. Yeah. But he was, he was done. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to go to New York City with my buddy Steve and I'll build web pages. I'll figure it out. Early days. Okay. Off I went. I decided I wanted to write. I decided I wanted to be creative. My life was filled with all kinds of things, technology yep. and drama and all, yep. all kinds of excitement. Nothing but support and acceptance on any choice I made along those lines. Support, acceptance, advice? Or no. he didn't have a lot to give you, actually. I mean, it, New York City and trying to figure it out, so it's, not, it's not his world. He lived here in his 20s. He grew up in New oh, Haven. Okay. Okay. He worked in advertising. We would talk okay. about it. Okay. But no, I, I think there was a sense, and it was a really discreet sense, which is you're on your path. Um, he, the things he would say we were like, you are the... There's like a quote. It's a poetry quote. I can't remember it right now in the moment. It's like, you are the commander of your fate and the master of your soul. Mm. Right? Like... Mm. Um, and, and you know, he was like, go figure out money first. Yeah. And there are other beautiful things like, like, and that were actually very practical and you can see them in me now, which is, you know, he was a playwright and a poet and, and so on and so forth. But he was like, always make sure you have a vocation and an avocation, get some skills, learn some stuff, mm-hmm. figure out how to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, don't shake the money tree. You know, don't like a lot of like figure out money. It's okay. You've done extremely well. Did he know about your success? He was very, very proud. You know, I had many rough days. You had many rough days growing up, kind of like blown in the wind, trying to figure things out. But now I value that in hindsight. And, you know, you want that is that is a gift because it really lets you build your own character in that adversity, right? And, and they're proud of that. Real. That's that generation. They were proud that it's you a generational don't... thing. There's no doubt about that. And let's be clear. That was that love comes in different editions and versions. There's like love 0.5 alpha, which was our grandparents' yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah. Then there's like love 0.8a, which yeah. is your dad and mine. Yeah. And yeah. Now, now we're at like love 2.0, where it's like you pet your son's back and it's okay if he cries and you know, but like that wasn't their world. Yeah. No, it wasn't their world. But it was but it was still love, let's be real. Yeah. Your dad loved you. Oh, one hundred percent. He just understood his flaws and understood where his limitations were, and that was that was it. Yeah. Look, there's another round and there's a pride here for me too, which is that uh my brother, myself, my brother's wife, my wife, we rallied. We took care of his finances, we made sure he was safe. Um, we chipped in when we needed to, yeah. all that stuff. I think yeah. you had it even more so than I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there was no, my dad was young relative to me. He was like in his early twenties when I was born. So he wasn't like 70 and, you know, unable to take care of himself. He was just not able to keep it together even in his fifties. Right. And right. so financially mainly. Right. And so I started to do okay. And then yet yeah, the tables turn and then. Uh, you know, you're you're effectively taking care of this person. It was not as weird for me, mainly because, like I said before, the dynamic melted away when I was 15 anyway. Right. So it wasn't like, I was like, I'm helping a buddy out rather than like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. I'm taking care of my father and he's young still and he can't get a job or whatever it is. Um, it was it was not that crazy in a lot of ways. Um, and 
you know, more than anything else, you have to kind of protect their dignity in that setting, right? I mean, this was this proud. Been, this, this speaking of that generation, no, they're immensely proud and independent. This is this is always the struggle, and I, I feel that this is where, as a as a son, you budge. Like my dad wanted his independence and privacy. It was hard to put him in assisted living, because, but we needed to keep him safe because yep. you lose more privacy and independence if you're in a hospital. Yeah. So, like, to keep him out of the hospital, we needed some supervision and support. Yeah. And he, he's not the kind of guy who like wants to come live in one of our houses. Right. Right. And so, like, the balance was nice ladies would check in on him once every two hours. That's the the compromise, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for, in my culture, in the Lebanese culture, it's very normal to find an elder in the house. Like, yes, it is. It's it is. not unusual at sure. all, actually. Uh, you, you know, if they have the means, they'll be nearby in another apartment, like in the building, but not far. Not far at all, right? And so that's that's considered. That's not even. That's the, not even going above and beyond. That's normal. The Lebanese have a very different understanding of. I think Italian is like yeah. that. Too. Oh, they do with the mom for forever, right? Like no, no. The Lebanese and the Irish have a very different understanding of personal space. Like the Lebanese 100%. idea of personal personal space for Lebanese, like a lot of personal space space means downstairs. <laughs> and for the for the Irish, it's about two to three thousand miles. Yeah. is like a good yeah, yeah, reasonable yeah. amount. Yeah, you know what's funny is it, and I can I can see it when you're talking with your dad. You really do come to understand it, and some of the things that you might have been angry about when you were younger, younger or frustrated about, you're like, no, I I, I have that too. We have those qualities, and I live right. in a different time, and I have a different kind of marriage, and I have a different kind of relationship with the world. So I have more choices about how I'm going to interact with the world. You know, it's funny, and I think this is a nice way to close it. I think no matter how close or far you were from your dad, when you start to see those characteristics mirrored, it's a wild thing, and it takes time to process, even if you're estranged in the most extreme case, because it's you, right? It's part of you. Like, part of my, I think a lot of my, the ways I see the world and the way I see risk and the way I deal with things and the way I deal with people is very much a reflection of, of just raw DNA that's coming down. I've been your friend for a decade now. Assad is a presence. <laughs> Assad is in your life. That's really funny. And that's a gift, right? Yeah. Ultimately, it yeah. came down as a gift. You got to rein it in, but it is a gift if in, in a contained state. <laughs> Frank is a gift. Would I be yeah. a writer? Would I have thought I could do all these creative and weird things that yeah. I did? And he, you know, He sat me on his knee when I was six and showed me basic programs on a Commodore PET. That's a gift. There's Speaking of gifts. Technology, art, <laughs> all of it. So like you got to take the whole thing. And, yeah. it, and it, honestly, it came, as time's going to go on, I can feel it. I'm going to remember the love. That's great. That's great. The, I mean, that's still better than a lot, right? There's a lot of people that struggle with it. Thought I could keep it together during, for this podcast. There it went. There it goes. Ziadi and Ford Advisors. Check us out on, on email at hello at ziadiford.com, Twitter at Ziadi Ford. Uh, so long, Assad and Frank. Have a lovely week, everyone. Love you, Paul. Bye.